Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup, Energy Sports' longest-running football show. Listener, if you were celebrating, we hope you had a fantastic Christmas, and if you didn't celebrate, we hope you're enjoying the holidays all the same. My name is Jack Donnelly, and I'm here to bring you the finest student takes on the footballing action from Scotland, England, and the wider world of football over the past seven days, or the weekend. Uh, I can't do it myself, of course, so I've brought in some of my good friends to help me chat about the football for the next hour or so. As always, we've got our resident pessimist, Struan Garvey. Hello. Hello. I don't appreciate that title. I mean, you own it, to be fair. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah, fair. <laughs> uh, we've got Energy Sports Hearts correspondent and the winner of our own personal energy derby over the weekend, Jamie McIntosh. Good to have you. Good afternoon. And we have also got a man who's been thoroughly enjoying our weekly meltdowns in the group chat, seeing as his teams are both doing very well at the minute. Graham Sinclair, hello. Debatable based on last night, but also the winner of the other Energy Sport derby. Absolutely, we're going to get onto that just shortly. But as always, we're going to start with this week's big question. And in the spirit of Christmas, I want to know which footballer, playing or retired, would you most want to have with you at Christmas dinner? Struan, your answer of John McGinn in the turkey costume was stolen by Sean McGill in the group chat. So who have you gone for? I've gone for Marcus Rashford. I think everything he's done this year is just, just a really sound guy. And I think the least we could do is treat him to a Christmas dinner. I think he's earned that. He'd probably supply it, no? Yeah, he could do. He'd probably, to be fair, he's probably that kind of guy that would give his away. You're right enough. I, 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 could, I could see it. I, I don't know. I don't know if I was kind of thinking in terms of be, like owing someone a Christmas. I was kind of just seeing who would kind of fit the day best. Like who would get in amongst like the whole day. Do you know what I mean? Would, still, still would, Rash, Rashford. would Rashford get tanked up with your uncle and start? Flipping the table when he was losing at Monopoly. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Depends how competitive it gets. I mean, it's a Christmas. It's a Christmas day stream with your family. Obviously, it's going to get very much so. <laughs> uh, J- Jamie, how how are you looking for this one? Because you asked me if we could do uh, if they needed to be playing, uh, and I said no. So I'm interested to hear who you went for for this one. Uh, I I was kind of drawn. I'm going with a, a, a very uh, personal bias here. I'm going for a former Hearts player, but I couldn't really decide who, so I've gone for any of the Rickerton three, which uh, would be Craig Gordon, Stephen Presley, or uh, Paul Hartley. I have like a million questions to ask them about the Vladimir Romanov era at Hearts, so solely based on that, any of those three. It's a very good option, very good option. Graham, how about yourself? Well, I don't think it can be a current player because a current player can't get proper invested because he'll have training and probably have a game the next day. Make a good so point. I think it has to be a former player. And I'm going quite simple here, but I think it's got to be Alan McCoy. Ah, he was on mine. Mm. He was mine as well. I mean, <laughs> think about what he provides to Christmas. First of all, he turns up. He's a great laugh, a lovely person. He'll get involved in all the games. You'll get along with your mum, maybe pull your mum, pull your gran. <laughs> 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 Put your Anybody who wants it. He'll be he'll tell some great stories when he does a couple of whiskies. He'll stay overnight and just have, make a fry up in the morning and he's away off to the football just to commentate and make everyone else's day better. I think there's no better option than Alan McCoyst. Did you see him uh, the other day when he was on his soccer Saturday and it was a Cardiff goal, the 60 yarder, and <laughs> no. he just said, mm. throwing his script up there and just laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was brilliant. Like, he's like drinking his water when it came to it, there nothing happened, and the boy scored for the 60 yarder. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be brilliant. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about Coyce this, uh, 
this season just because he's been getting involved in commentary more and we just keep saying that we just want him on commentary all the time like if any game we, he, he could commentate anything I would happily like, listen to Alan McCoy commentate somebody in their weekly shopping or something like that you couldn't have a bad Christmas with Alan McCoy in the house no absolutely he's, he's the type positive. of guy that would laugh at every single Christmas cracker joke while he's telling it out he wouldn't be able to actually finish it <laughs> he'd be, be able bursting to get out laughing at himself no, I, I'd agree with that. I think Coyce was number one. But I, I did chuck a couple of uh, players down. I, I'd, I'd say because, like, for, for someone, if, if it was, like, a normal Christmas and a big Christmas, you could potentially have a few Celtic Dars turn up. You're in Scotland. There's going to be a few Celtic Dars at every Christmas, realistically. And that's why I'd have David Turnbull over Scott Brown, just 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 to get, get them riled up, because <laughs> it'd be quite funny. And then, no, I, I'd, personal bias, I'd have Kurt Zuma, just for a laugh. I think he's the type of personality that would get involved, and he's big enough to be, and he's a big enough guy to be able to put put your granda down when he's getting a wee bit lady, and he's getting a wee bit too aggressive after a few a few Christmas pints. He'd make everyone um, jam sandwiches and hot chocolate as well. Nice guy. Yeah, I don't know about that. That's the one fatal flaw in Kurt Zuma. He, he dips jam sandwiches into hot chocolate, which I'd, is that is everyone else a bit like put off by that? Like, is that just weird? See, it's one yeah, of those things that I, I think it's a bit strange, but it could at the same time be dynamite. And we're maybe missing a trick by not doing it. Maybe. You could be right. I uh, might have to try it, even though I don't like jam sandwiches, but that's more about me and not anyone else. We're going to start talking about the football that went on over the last weekend. I'll start off here in Scotland, as always. A full batch of Premiership fixtures that played out on Saturday afternoon. Of course, we had that first energy derby play out at Ibrox as the lunchtime kickoff with Ianis Hadji's first half goal being enough to separate the two sides as Rangers recorded a 1-0 win over Hibernian, allowing them to maintain their 16-point lead at the top of the Scottish Premiership. Graham, I'll come to you first as your team came out on top in this encounter. I mean, how, how did you see the game? Because, I mean, if, if I, was looking at this from, I was looking at this from a neutral's perspective, I was almost thinking the clean sheet itself was more impressive than the, than the win because Hibs are the third-highest scorers in the division behind Celtic and Rangers, so essentially the top scorers in the division when you factor the two out, so how, do, how did you see the whole performance? It was a fairly even game, all, all things considered, I thought the Rangers were the clear better side in the first half, and probably could have got more than one goal, had a couple of good chances, Balogun had a shot cleared off the line, and Barnes had a good point blank save from a goal to the header, but in the second half Hibs really improved and Rangers got worse, but credit to Hibs for that and I thought that Rangers were a bit lucky to escape with the three points and the only thing you'd kind of say from Hibs perspective perspective is that they didn't create any clear-cut chances with what was sustained pressure for the whole of the second half for the most part so it was it's kind of been a thing as a Rangers fan they've not played well for the last five games now they've got four wins but They've been sneaking the wins and they got they got it again today, which is which was a massive three points. No, absolutely. That's just today, Saturday, sorry. Saturday, Saturday even. Uh, Struan, was that a bit frustrating for you then as uh, as the Hibs fan watching that Hibs were able to kind of keep that pressure going against Rangers in the second half and just couldn't carve anything out? Yeah, I think a 1-0 defeat always stings, especially when Hibs probably should have had a penalty as well in the first half, I think. A bit of controversy there, but... I mean, Rangers are just that better team. I think Graham summed the game up perfectly there. I mean, that see that the loss does see you guys drop down into fourth from third. Uh, Aberdeen ahead of you after they got the win. 
at the weekend. Uh, they've got a game in hand as well, granted it's against Celtic, but are you, are you a bit concerned that you might not, that this kind of loss could see you stuck in fourth for the foreseeable? No, I don't think so. I think being realistic, this is probably one of those games that you wouldn't expect to take three points from anyway. Fair. Mm-hmm. I think so. I don't think they'll have too big of an impact, especially when Hibs were missing the first choice goalkeeper and striker, but I thought Barnes made a good account of himself and pl- plenty more games left this season. Definitely. Uh, Jamie, I want to come to you for this game because uh, you, you've been pro- you might have kind of made a wee bit of a fool of yourself, I don't know, in, in the group chat recently, uh, claiming that Yanis Hadji is nothing special or something like that. He's since put in two very, very good performances for Rangers, I think. He assisted in the last game and got the goal in this one to win it. It just seems to be the case that anything that gets said from someone at Energy Sports seems to come back against them at some point in their in the career. But what what what's your stance on the playmaker just now? I mean it was, it was a fairly well taken goal. I mean Kemar Roof found himself in free space basically and was allowed to fizz across a Visible across the box to Hadji, who nipped in and tucked it past uh, the goalkeeper. So, what what do you reckon? I mean, is he is he a better player than you thought, or is he still at your estimation? I think his form had um, well, I thought anyway his form had had kind of dipped. But to be honest with you, I mean, I feel there's something about like Rangers and Celtic players. You know, you, you just can't can't slag them off because eventually they will uh, they will kind of go on a on a run and their form will uh, will improve and uh, it was it was a well taken goal it was good movement he was uh, he was more alert than the than the Hibs defender I think it was Paul Hanlon that he nipped in in front of but I can't can't quite remember um, and he had a good chance just before it that just went wide that was unlucky as well and he scored it in McDermott Park uh, prior to the Hibs game so yeah, he's he's uh, hitting a, a good spell of form but you know I think I stand by what I said um, I don't necessarily. Think that I was I was wrong. I don't know how many goals he scored in the league, but Graham was, was said he's uh, he's come up with quite a lot of assists in the league this season, um, which obviously is uh, is very important when you know you're kind of not playing through the middle. Um, you know, obviously he's out wide, so he's kind of more the creative spark really, as opposed to the the kind of man who's supposed to get all the goals. And you know, you got Ryan Kent on the other side, so maybe I maybe I just thought he was being overshadowed by Ryan Kent. Maybe I was being harsh, but. Uh, no, I stand by what I said anyway. I think I'll kind of just pick up on that. I think what you, I think it's understandable what Jimmy says is you can mm. watch Hadji for like five weeks in a row, and he'd do absolutely nothing for you. And you'd be the worst player in the pitch, and he has been for probably. But he's like, who's been the worst player in the pitch? Like Per Rangers game, Hadji's probably at the top of that list. There's been so many games where he doesn't do anything, but I think he's a player on the Rangers side that probably more than anyone in the entire squad can just do something out of nothing, even when he's had a poor game. You can always play a key pass and, and create a big chance. Or he's quite good. He's actually very good in the final third. And he was got like a well-taken goal on Saturday. I mean, me and Jamie, we kind of seem to constantly have try and make each other bite in the group chat. <laughs> you do. You've, you've, you've built this up over the last couple of weeks, I've noticed. <laughs> Not just about Yannis Hadji. Not about point, anything. I, I understand like where Jamie's coming from in regards to Hadji. But... Like he, is a, he is a player that Rangers need because he's a player that when things aren't going that their way, he can do something out of absolutely nothing. Uh, no, I have noticed that Jamie's been casting the rod a bit a bit more frequently these days. I don't, I don't know what it is, but there just seems to be a bit more consistency to Jamie going fishing for bites. My, my first thought at the moment when I watch the football game is how can I... How can I re- <laughs> how can I re- relate this to Jamie to annoy him? <laughs> 
Jamie, was... are, are you are you happy with this reputation that you've built up of yourself? Well, this is this is in your opinion, obviously. I mean, all I'm doing <laughs> is, is, in my opinion, is is stating what I believe to be accurate and relevant points. So, you know, if you think that this is me trying to be fishing all the time, then you know, that's, I, that's no, I saw you, the eyes emoji you tweeted in as a sport yesterday. I know you were fishing for my bite. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you tried to mug me off, though. I did. You're right. <laughs> It started when he said that Liverpool are bad, and that one I didn't let go of. <laughs> and I took that personally. And, it <laughs> and since that one, I've tried to go back at it, and Jamie said, I think that Jamie comes back at me. It's good fun. <laughs> it's, it's, a good, it's good entertainment, to be fair. You're quite good at getting Sean as well, I've noticed. Sean tends to bite to a lot of the stuff you say, Jamie. It's, uh... Do you think? I, think? I think you're just quite a reactive person, is Sean. Isn't yeah, yeah. short yeah. fused. Yeah, he is quite short fused. Maybe that's why he didn't come on today because he knew we were going to press him about Alex Dyer. So yeah, I'm disappointed about that. No, he, he's done a holiday after the cup final on an open goal, but less said about that, the better. Uh, <laughs> elsewhere, Celtic were able to get a solid you know, win away at Hamilton with goals coming from Odson Edward, Lee Griffiths, and David Turnbull. Stuart, coming to you as this is your team. Uh, a lot of talk from this game <laughs> was about the performance that Edward put in with many Celtic fans and journalists alike hailing his showing as the best from the striker in a long while. We all know the obvious quality that Edward brings to the Celtic setup. I mean, honestly, he's the best striker in the country. So how important will it be for these performances to become commonplace in the Celtic team? And especially at what seems like a turning point in the season always kind of seems to be just after New Year, something happens in the Premiership that just means... One team's going to win the league, one team's not. It was Rangers in Dubai last season. It could be the old firm in the 2nd of January this season. How important is it going to be for Edward to keep these performances going? Yeah, it'll be massive. I mean, one of the reasons that Celtic are where they are in the league this season is because of Edward's just just lack of form, to be honest. You know, we started very well against Hamilton on the opening day with a hat-trick, and since then, he's not really done anything. I mean, you could even take the Scottish Cup where... He kind of showed the quality that he can have with the penalty and then missed about two or three chances later on in the game by just putting them straight into Gordon. But there definitely needs to be more out of him. And what was important about this game is about seeing Lee Griffiths get involved as well because the two of them together are fantastic. It was one of the reasons that Celtic were able to do so well last season towards the end was the combination of them two. And just David Turnbull again showing up and showing his quality was good to see. David Turnbull was something I'm going to get onto as well. I mean, Graham, I mentioned that he was in amongst the goals for Celtic again. Uh, the former Wuthermill man seems to have finally nailed in a starting spot in Neil Lennon's midfield, but should it have realistically come sooner? I mean, could Turnbull's introduction to consistent first-team football earlier in the season perhaps have elevated Celtic a bit more to where they are now? Yeah, obviously. I think that's pretty obvious. I think that was not something, oh, wow, that's David Turnbull, guys. It wasn't something we stumbled <laughs> upon. People have been calling for Turnbull to get game time since the... Uh, he joined Celtic, I believe he started against Hibs at home and he was a star man and then just got kind of left out in the cold mm. again. And he offers something different. He offers the, like set-piece delivery, which is something that I think is a massive strength for Celtic. Yeah, definitely. Given, given the like, aerial threat they bring with Duffy, with Julian and Ayer. Having said that, let's, let, let's not read into how good Celtic are. They did beat the worst team in the league's reserves mm. on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> and they were no no and they were drawn no no at half time. I think people have been getting a bit carried away. But oh, Edwards back, Griffiths and Edward that Celtic are back. Let's there's a big game on Saturday. If they win that, maybe you can see it. But let's let's put the brakes on a little bit. You can only beat what's in front of you. 
<laughs> Look at him defending them. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very good point, Struan. It's an excellent. Yeah, it's point. very good. I mean, it's a big game on uh, on Saturday, of course. I mean, I mean, if Celtic beat them, D United, how do you think they're going to? How do you think they go into the old farm? Because Dundee United are quite well known for being rubbish. Yeah, they're shit. <laughs> fifth, fifth in the league, by the way. Fifth in the league. That's what I was going to say. Like they're rubbish, but they get results. Like they've not lost in three. They're absolutely brutal. They're a decent side off the ball. They don't ask them to score too many goals because it's not going to happen. Unless they're playing Kilmarnock. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. The defense seems to the defense looks awful on paper, but I'm kind of quite impressed with the the kind of lack of goals that they seem to concede. I think Celtic went to Tannadice earlier in the season and only conceded uh, only one one nil. Sorry, so you know that it, it will be quite a quite an interesting game to see how it pans out. But look, this is must win for Celtic, right? Because you can't go drop points and then go and and win the Old Firm because it's just <laughs> you just you just can't. So Celtic need to win this game. And if they don't, then well, I don't think the old firm matters. If Celtic don't they need to go on a eighteen game win streak at this point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is not impossible given the overall quality of this league. But it's fairly impossible considering the overall quality of Celtic's manager. Mm-hmm. And, well, and... in your opinion, Jack. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just looking for a bite from soon for that one, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not defending Neil Lennon. Defend the players. You see the Patrick going in and just like picking his teeth on Saturday. Absolutely disgusting. <laughs> just like, there a few, do you not mind what game was it? The Ross County game where you trying to see his breath because it was really cold. <laughs> He's a comedy character. He's an artist. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> anyway, just to touch on Hamilton before we move on, I mean, it was the reserves that got played, and I mean, Jamie, once again, it, it was another loss, but no one really seemed to care. Like, anyone involved with Hamilton was just like, yeah, lost to Celtic, who cares? I mean, is the worst, can it have, have Hamilton gone through the worst of it this season? Do we reckon? Like, is there going to be another point? Where we see Brian Rice get headhunted, or not headhunted in the sense of promotion, but headhunted in the sense of his head is getting hunted by Hamilton fans. Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing for for Hamilton fans now is whether this uh, appeal from St Mirren and Kilmarnock is is successful. Because you know, let's not beat about the bush here. Hamilton haven't exactly you know risen in form they were awarded a you know a free no win or something against uh, against somebody which has you know put them closer to everybody else and than they should have been in the first place so mm. i think if this um if this appeal is is successful and hamilton lose i don't know three points or six points whatever it was then uh, then they're going to struggle um again and there will be questions asked to brian rice and i think you know hamilton have got pretty lucky and you know it doesn't surprise me because this is hamilton this is what happens to hamilton you know they get these these bits of luck and they work for their luck um don't get me wrong but you know this is the the breaks that hamilton seem to have and be able to stay in the spl and by getting this uh this forfeit from i can't even remember who it was now if it was same men or, or, or uh, kilmarnock i can't remember now but uh yeah this is the the breaks that Hamilton seem to get. So a lot for me hinges on uh, this this appeal. 
and this is why the result against Celtic probably wasn't really too many of uh, the fans' main concerns. It was it was kind of more eyes on the eyes on the appeals. Aye, to be fair, that has been talked about a lot just over the weekend. I mean, what do we reckon? Do we reckon the appeal will be successful, or how, how do we see it going? No, no. You you, you don't beat the SFA in uh, these uh, <laughs> appeals. It doesn't happen. To do a crime family, <laughs> you can't beat them. If you, you can't mess, beat them, join them. You don't mess with the Corleones. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You don't mess with the Doncaster. I think it's something that I've noticed. It feels like they've grouped Kamarnik and Sutton together as if they're like the same case. Yeah, I do think they were as well. I thought Saint Mirren's was supposed to be much more yeah. severe. Mm. Yeah, it seems like it seems like to me it's like if if, if it's no chance if it, if it happens, both of them will win their appeal or both of them will lose. It doesn't seem like Kamarnik might win, which Inter won't. Which seems like to me seems like the most logical scenario based on the information we've been given. Mm-hmm. I well, I, just, I suppose we'll just need to bide our time and wait to hear them whether that appeal is successful or not. You don't have... mess with the SFE. Because <laughs> <laughs> the loud and clear message that we are abiding by, we are not questioning anything they are doing for fear of anything happening. Uh, I mean, there were other, there were some other interesting results coming from the Premiership over the weekend. Things went poorly once again for old Yogi Hughes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, two 0 loss to Celtic in the first game wasn't awful, but then a two 0 home loss to St Mirren. Questions have got to be asked of just Ross County at that point on a whole. Uh, Dundee United managed to rescue a point against Motherwell, but most notably, Kilmarnock lost to Livingston with a last minute Scott Robinson goal, sinking Kelly at home, making it five losses in a row for Alex Dyer's side. What do we reckon? Dyer next in the chopping block, then? Is he the next out the door? I'm not sure if he's the next because there's so much shit in the league that it could be anybody, really. <laughs> but I think, I, think, I think he's got to be up there. Um, it's not so much the kind of results. I think it's more the kind of manage, the, the level of performance. Everybody seems to be screaming at him for not making subs, and the fact that Kilmarnock are playing kind of hoofball would suggest <laughs> that um, this is the kind of style that Alex Dyer wants to play, the fact that he's not making changes. It's like he's happy with what he's seeing on the pitch, and I think that is the concern for the majority of uh, of Kelly fans. Just want to touch on Yogi Hughes there. I think that's very harsh to say that he lost 2-0 to St. Mirren. They, they uh, tried something different at the weekend. They tried to play with nine men. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. If, um, I'm not sure if that was something that they, they planned and maybe didn't fancy against Celtic, but I don't know if he thought that some of the players were so bad that we would just play with nine and see how we got on. 2-0, uh, they, they managed to keep them out until the 76th minute where uh, Marcus Fraser, I think it was, that scored, which was uh, slightly yeah. ironic because I think he used to play for them. So uh, it's really sticking the sticking the knife in there. Love to see stuff like that, though. He did indeed. That, that was him. He played for Ross County up until this summer and then went to St Mirren. So, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> I, I was going to contest you because you said it's harsh to say they lost 2-0 to St Mirren. They did lose 2-0 to St Mirren. They did, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what happened. Yeah, but they did have nine men and it was 0-0 until, uh, until they went down to nine men. So. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they almost held on for a point. Almost. <laughs> and I, uh, Let's commend Ross County, everyone, for all of us getting gonna, a I'm point gonna say, against gonna St Mirren. I'm going to say that Ross County were, were unlucky at the weekend and I think they are uh, slightly overpriced to to, uh, to do all right at Easter Road this week. I think uh, Ross County were to get a, a result at Easter Road, it wouldn't surprise me too much. This will be Yogi Hughes' uh, first result, first point, perhaps, as, a, as Ross County Student manager. thoughts? 
I'm a Celtic fan. Why would I care about that? <laughs> <laughs> he, he said it now. He he said it at this point. So, I mean, that's it. Right. Yeah, so it's on record. That That's getting clipped. Someone said that. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, oh dear we are in trouble (laughs) can I give a shout out to my locals please go on Uh, six wins in a row for Lincoln Football Club since they got rid of Gary Holt which is because everyone's terrified of David Martindale that's why probably (laughs) but I think it's pretty for any team not named Rangers or Celtic to win six games in a row in Scotland, I think it's something that should be given note to, especially from a mm. manager with no playing background in football and a, a difficult kind of path, and for him to be getting the results in the kind of constant improvement from Livingston is excellent. I think they have a good squad of players, and I think yeah. that they are, I think they are the clear best team outside the top four at this point. Yeah, it's, I'd, yeah, about that. It's, it's going to be a tough couple of weeks for them, a tough couple of matches for them. They've got Aberdeen at home on Wednesday night, and then Hibs oh, yeah, away mm-hmm. on on the second. So, but then 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 they get it because they play Ross County at home, so that should yeah. be all right for them. And back to back games against Celtic. Yeah, that's not going to be fun. Just before you kind of move on from Livingston, there, I think the big change for me that's really impressed me with Livingston is kind of the whole of kind of Gary Cole's tenure. They've been absolutely awful away from the Tony Macaroni. And now, you know, they've gone and won at Kilmarnock, they've won at Hamilton, they've won at Livingston. Um, so Livingston. these are kind of... I think they won at... Uh, sorry, <laughs> um, they won at Kilmarnock, okay. St. Johnson, Dundee uh, United, I think they beat earlier. So uh, know, this, these, are, these are kind of um, kind of things we've not really seen from, from uh, Livingston previously, kind of going and, and winning away from home, Kelly, Hamilton, St. Johnson, Dundee United. So that is the thing that's impressed me the most with, with Livingston recently, is the fact that they've won away from home, something that they weren't very good at before. And it's good as well because I think a number of us have kind of picked them as kind of the outside shout for kind of fifth or sixth in the kind of Premiership uh, preview that we did at the start of the season, didn't we? So we kind of had expected them to be a bit higher up in where they were when Gary Holt uh, left of his own volition, I think, uh, was the story there. And then six wins on the bounce for David Martindale, so they're clearly going in the right direction. And it's nice to see a team other than Celtic or Rangers do have that level of... Level of consistent success, I suppose we can say, and throughout this point in the season. Uh, I mean, before we move on to the English football aspect of the show, we need to discuss the second energy derby of the weekend. Played out in front of Jamie's eyes at Tynecastle, as Hearts and Air played out an eight-goal thriller with Hearts taking the points with a scoreline of five goals to three. Jamie, I mean, the scoreline was a bit hectic. We'll 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 say that. Uh, least of all but uh, I mean did did you predict anything other than a Hearts victory going into this one? Yeah I didn't know um, I thought he's actually were, were quite good to be honest uh, I thought he's looked okay when you when you kind of went forward you just didn't really do it enough for me um, the first half was was pretty brutal the conditions were awful so I mean kind of fair play to, to both teams for putting on a, a half decent second half at least because you know it was a horrible horrible day and uh, you know Hearts took the lead early on and um, Sinisalo's obviously been been very good this season for the air. I saw a stat that said that, you know he'd made the most uh, I think the most saves in the SPFL I think uh, this season, not even just the championship. Mm. Um, so you know obviously it was a as I say it was a horrible day and Kingsley's free kick just sort of bounced in front of him and just kind of squirmed under yeah. him. So an uncharacteristic mistake you could probably say from the goalkeeper. And you know unfortunately the, if there's a place that you don't want that to happen, it's, it's probably when you're away to Hearts in the championship this season. But, you know, fair play to them. They stuck at it. They, they were very organised defensively for the first hour. 
and uh, then they took the lead and and you know kind of pissed off hearts i think you could probably say <laughs> and uh and uh, then i think hearts went and scored four goals in 13 minutes or something and just yeah i enjoyed that away. i really enjoyed that yeah um yeah, I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Obviously, Ayr's kind of season isn't going to be defined by trips to Tynecastle, but uh, I think you're back at Somerset against Morton or something. Morton tomorrow night. So yeah. uh, that's, a, that's a winnable game. I saw Morton at Capital the other week, and they've actually improved since they got rid of Hopkin, weirdly. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I would fancy uh, fancy the honest men for three points in that one, based on what I saw. There were some positives to take from an Ayr perspective. It, it, was a, it was a weird one watching it for me, because up until a point we, we considered the first goal, and I was like, right, okay, fine. But we were holding on, like we were actually like holding quite firm for the majority of the first half anyway. And I was yeah. thinking, well, that this is this is the issue that Air have had kind of more recently. We've been able to defend. I mean, we defended well in the nil nil against Wraith and uh, in games where we kept clean sheets where we probably shouldn't have. I mean, Dundee at home one one and two nil on that one. I really didn't expect that whatsoever. But it, it just doesn't seem to be the case that we were able to get forward and score because a lot a lot of games we've blanked where we probably shouldn't have done we'll, we'll say uh i think we had it was the two nil nils that we've had uh dunfermline and wraith we had chances to score in both and we didn't so i thought we need to get more we need to get more out of someone like bruce anderson who's been really just needing goals at this point and his cameron's coming from kilmarnock and he just i think got one or two but he probably could be kicking on it doesn't really seem to be the case that we should be needing to rely on Michael Moffat, even though he's got over a hundred goals for the club, I mean he, he's an age where he might he might not be able to deal with the physicality of the championship as well as he used to be able to. But he, he's adapting well and he's still putting in performances. But I don't know the strikers have been kind of one thing, but then scoring twice and then going ahead, I was just thinking how this happened, like how have yeah. we gotten to this point? I couldn't believe it. I I, I tweeted out, what are United doing? How's this happened? My tweet wasn't undid your, everything. Wasn't your smartest idea? No, it really wasn't. I don't know. It was like in the back of my mind. I was like, "Should I tweet this? Maybe." I let's go for it. It'll be quite funny if we do lose, and then we lost horribly. But uh, who knows? Who knows? Defense just looked all over the place for that spell. Uh, that spell of thirteen minutes. It was pathetic defending. If I'm being quite honest, for. It was, but uncharacteristic because, I mean, I think before that you'd only conceded seven goals in the first eight games or something in the league. Mm. And, I mean, you know, I think you'd scored something similar, really. So you were kind of averaging, like, scoring one and conceding one kind of every game. So, I don't know, you still seem to be... And I was kind of sitting there at half-time at 1-0 and thinking, like, yeah, okay, that's all right. Because, you know, I was sort of thinking, well, this this team don't concede that many, you know, anyway. So, you know, I've seen so many goals at Tynecastle this season. It seems like they've done the, the Queen of the South game and that so I was thinking well yeah maybe it was never really going to be a high scoring game anyway I was sort of thinking any kind of three points will do any win will do but then the second half bloody seven goals <laughs> <laughs> I mean they're sit- eight are sitting just now they've still got a positive goal difference after 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 nine games 13 goals scored 12 conceded so could be worse but sixth isn't where we want to be sitting we really want to be sitting kind of third or fourth at this point just pushing uh, the teams above us, but hopefully a win at home to Morton can kind of elevate us back up because, I mean, we're only three points off third off Wraith. It's third, a bit, so. it's a big it's a big game, but I mean the the defeat at Gayfield was was bad because yeah, you know, had not won, hadn't won a game hadn't won a game all season and you know I think they were two 0 up and I think they scored quite late on so I think it was a kind of consolation goal that you got at the end anyway but mm. yeah losing there I think our both have scored like four goals this season and half of them have been against you so <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, you're bang on actually. <laughs> Four scored, twelve conceded. Oh. 
this is this is this is different because normally I'm not allowed to speak about air for uh, this amount of time because Sean's no, usually rambled on a wee bit. I know. Of of all the Move teams, on. I mean, we've not had space for that. We don't have space to talk about Arsenal as much this this week. We had to fill it with someone. Uh, we're going to move on to English football in a second, but but Graham has messaged the group chat and asked if he can chime in. If, yeah. Go on uh, then. This is a bit off topic, I guess. What I think we should uh, show some appreciation and send our condolences to Chris Sutton and his family. Uh, today, he he revealed that on Boxing Day that he lost his dad over the Christmas period, and. I think something that's been noted is that he, despite the fact he could have taken the time off, he worked on BT Sports Score and then on the radio throughout the entire day, which I think is such a kind of brave thing to do. His dad lost a 10-year battle with dementia, and I don't know if anyone ever saw it, a few weeks ago on BT Sports Score, he spoke very passionately about mm-hmm. dementia and football, and it was actually very moving. So I just kind of wanted to, I think we should mention that and how... Kind of like tell our condolences and to his family and appreciation that he worked through it, considering how horrible a day and how much how horrible he must have been feeling. No, absolutely. No, I completely agree with that, and I feel like it's a it's a very brave thing to do for Chris Sutton, especially as someone who is fairly polarizing in Scottish media. I would say to like put his voice out and continue to work, and probably have been getting some fair stick back for some for just people with opposing views and people who just don't seem to like the guy but I mean when he's going through what he went through with his father I mean you can't have anything but respect for the man so uh, see if he's I don't know if it'll be it's like they'll have them but see the, I'm talking about it was at half time of one of the game weeks and see him talking about dementia and then having that with then his dad died only a couple of weeks later was it the was it the Arsenal Wolves with the him no, and his injury was it no, it was the week after. No, I don't think so. I think it was something related to Bobby Charlton's dementia. Was it the BT Sports score? Yeah, it was on the BT Sports score. I can't remember which, which week it was. It was like three or four weeks ago. No, but Nobby Styles had passed away from it as well previously mm-hmm. around the same time mm-hmm. period. And so he, so he, he, he spoke about it and like what he'd like to do. I think he's done a lot of work to try and raise awareness and get rules changed like heading-wise. But if you can find that, especially given what's happened only we call it, I think you should watch it. It's like... It's, it's kind of it's heartbreaking stuff and hindsight, but also very moving. There's a good bit where he talks to Peter Crouch, and Peter Crouch makes the point like he scored so many headed goals and stuff like that. You know, he's really worried. It's just, it's just so interesting to get that kind of point of view from ex players. Hundred percent. But yeah, definitely sending our condolences to Chris Sutton and his family, and commending him for continuing to keep working through throughout the kind of hardship that he's had to face especially at this time of the year where it's it's never easy for the best of times but even harder to do, to work and get stuff out when you're dealing with something like that so massive condolences and respect go to Chris Sutton for the last couple of days uh we'll move on and we'll start talking about the Premier League action from the weekend and there were some solid Premier League fixtures that played out over the weekend with some Boxing Day box office showings, there you go, uh, particularly at the Emirates, where languishing Arsenal ran out as surprising 3-1 winners over London rivals Chelsea. I mean, it was a match that many expected the Blues to come away with all three points. Jamie, I mean, it was a shocking watch from our point of view, you and I. I mean, what went wrong for Chelsea in this match? Um... Hard to, know, hard to, to start honest. with something. To I mean, yeah, I mean, part of me sort of says, like, you know, as, as you know, awful as Chelsea were, they lacked kind of intensity and just kind of appetite, really. You know, it's a derby and you expect 
both teams to kind of be at it early doors and you know as poor as Arsenal have been recently you know it was it, they they just look like they kind of wanted it more you know um which you know, I do kind of find hard to believe because to be honest as as you all say a, a lot of people kind of fancied Chelsea for this one and as you know as far as they kind of getting one over your rivals you know Chelsea I think could have probably made this one quite embarrassing for Arsenal actually had they bothered to turn up you know mm. um I think it could have easily been a a bit of a doing if Chelsea had brought their A game, um, because you know Chelsea have scored a lot of goals this season, and Arsenal have uh, have not um, until Saturday. Until um, Saturday. It was it was it was a penalty, a a free kick, and uh, a slightly fortuitous cross, perhaps, um, from Bukayo Saka. Um, the goals. So you part of me kind of says like, well, you know, as as kind of shit as Chelsea were, it was like a penalty, then a wonder strike from Jacka, and then a kind of fortuitous cross but Chelsea deserved nothing out of the game and to be honest with you the fact that, that you know they almost kind of you know Jorginho obviously missed a penalty to, to take himself mm. into the completely useless category but um I think now you <laughs> know it's the fact that since they, the start of the season for me well he's been in the he's useless been. category but now he's in the completely <laughs> useless category because he can't take penalties now that's two he's missed um I think ever I think he, I don't think he'd missed any until like the start of the season or something where mm. he, he missed the first one or something and now he's missed ah, the, the second one well. yeah and uh, so yeah, I mean the, the fact that Chelsea almost made it three two as well late on was just kind of almost a bit more of a um, like putting salt in the wounds because it was like yeah. well you you know if you'd bothered to turn up you probably would have won the game but you didn't so deserve nothing at the game but fair play to Arsenal because as I say they, they just kind of looked like they wanted it more and mm. uh, you know going from our point of view anyway we we certainly weren't uh, particularly surprised I don't think at the result I think we'd mentioned it all week that we thought Arsenal were probably going to beat us because I was going in very negative about this game to be completely honest so I feel like that's why I'm not too surprised pissed <laughs> off about it yeah I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm annoyed about the result I'm annoyed about the fact that it was a potentially the best opportunity of the season that Lampard could have had to get one over yeah. on a close rival I mean you look at the two starting 11s that get put out I mean, Arsenal's without Aubameyang, without a, any real star quality in it. And then Chelsea's with Werner, Abraham, Pulisic, Mount, Kovacic. Uh, Sorry, I thought you said Chelsea's had star quality in it there. You just started with Werner. Oh, so, yeah, no. Was well, that I a mean, mistake? Oh, it might have been, sorry, slip up, on, <laughs> slip up on my part. I mean, you just look, the, the difference in the starting levels was stark, to be honest. And as soon as I saw that and I saw... Chilwell and James were both back. I had faith, a bit more faith than I had kind of previously. But then Gabriel Martinelli just decided that he was going to make an absolute meal of Reese James. And when you're coupling with the fact that Kieran Tierney is excellent on the overlap down that left hand side, it was never going to be an easy day for James. And then conceding the penalty and just having his ankles twisted by Martinelli on a number of occasions, it just was not for pleasant viewing whatsoever. Uh, Struan, I mean, it seems to be an echoed quality between Mikel Arteta and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is whenever their job seems to be on the line, they're going to pull out a massive result like this. What What do you reckon from the Arsenal perspective? Do you think that this is going to kick their season back into life now they're going to get themselves back up the table? Or do you think there's still going to be a few stumbling blocks, a few issues that are going to plague them for a wee bit longer? I think looking at Arsenal's upcoming games, they've got the likes of um, Brighton, Newcastle twice, one of them in the FA Cup. I, I would expect them to take a lot of points from these games and slowly make their way back up to the table because I think they're the same points difference from Chelsea as Chelsea are from Liverpool at the moment, which Brilliant. is just crazy how interesting this season has been. But I think it will give so much confidence to that team. I mean, as you said, based on the two lineups, I think I said in the group chat this could be 4 or 5 nil to Chelsea. Just and it was almost purely- the inverse. 
Yeah, really, I really should have been. I mean, like we we spoke about the Arsenal goals, but I think they could have scored far more in that game. I think they were actually yeah. quite wasteful in the end with their chances. So I th- I think this will be massive. I think, as he said as well, the players that were missing there was no Gabriel, no David Luiz, no William, no Bamiang on the bench. But yeah, they they played fantastically, and I think Thomas Partey as well. Yeah, no Thomas Partey either. They no Ceballos. Although actually, I said good players were missing. Sorry, <laughs> but I think I think the youngsters really stepped up. I thought Kieran Tierney was absolutely fantastic. I thought Bakayo Saka was brilliant as well. Mm-hmm. I thought Emil Smith Rowe was sort of sort of that link that they've been missing, and even a few of the senior players like Lacazette and Granit Xhaka, and even Hector Bellerin were actually quite good, which has been seldom this season to say that. So I, th- I think this will be a real positive kick in them. I've never thought Arteta should be sacked. Because I, I have given him a lot of praise, and he, he has clearly got the players' trust and the players' belief. So I would expect a kick on from Arsenal from this game. No relegation threats just yet. Just yet, no. Still, just still, yet. still time for that to come out in the forefront of it. Uh, Graham, from one manager to another, uh, Frank Lampard is still not able to get a result against a team currently in the top half of the Premier League uh, table this season. I mean. We talked about the fact that starting starting eleven was miles better than what Arsenal's was, uh, it, it, and it was a perfect opportunity for him to get a result over Arsenal, who were in the worst form that they've been in in ages, and they just there was no positivity coming at the club, and it would have really been nice to kind of put those FA Cup demons to bed, but completely humbled by, by Arsenal. To be quite honest, Arsenal just did the basics well, just took the game straight to Chelsea, who looked lifeless at points. Uh, what what do you reckon? Should should Lampard be the be the one concerned about the the infamous P forty five of Roman Abramovich being passed over his shoulder, or do you think it's a bit less than that? Well, I think every sure. Chelsea manager should be oh. concerned about the. Sorry, I was just going to say. I think I think every Chelsea manager should be concerned about the the uh, Roman Abramovich's uh, ownership of the club. We know that you know Chelsea managers don't get much uh, leeway at the best of times. I'm not sure Roman Abramovich knows what the meaning of leeway is when it comes to managers, but uh, yeah, I think he should definitely be concerned. Graham, thoughts? I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that Lampard. You should be talking about Lampard's job just yet. It's I mean, I've made lots of new signings in a time when it's going to be it's hard to bed new signings in hardly and ever before from we get accustomed to life because life's not normal at the moment. Kind of sick of. I'm a bit sick of talking about manager shagging at this point, mm. to be honest with you. I, I'd it's like that get, time of the year, though, isn't it? Like, just like everyone to, I, seems to be getting judged more. I'd like to give a lot of credit to Arsenal. And to some, of it's, some of it's enforced. I mean, they had, had COVID call-offs, which forced them to play the youngsters. But it's like, it's hardly surprising that people have been calling for the Europa League side to just demolish everybody. Like, lesser competition, but just demolish everyone in that mm. group. And he's given more of them a chance. And they, start, and they won a Premier League game. He's playing players that want to fight for the club more, and are just simply want want to work hard and give their all. Whereas players like Willie and David Luiz, Nicholas Pepe, these guys are these guys are frauds, man. They don't they put no they put no effort in at all. They should they should never get they should never get back into this team. Players like Willie and Pepe, David Luiz, they they all technically I think they all have the same age, which I don't think is a coincidence. <laughs> but it seems like. Uh, they shouldn't be playing for this team. Arsenal need to get focused on the young players that are willing to give their all for the club. I thought Mikhail Saka on Saturday was incredible. Like, uh-huh, best, I thought he was the best player in the park by a mile. And he's been Arsenal's best player even when they've been struggling. He still, he still looked bright. Yeah. I thought Martin Martin made a difference. I thought he actually made a difference on in the League Cup game on Wednesday and then he got injured and all of a sudden City scored three goals. I don't think that's mm. necessarily something that you can look past. 
and then Tierney, I think that's the best I've seen Tierney play as well. The other kind of three I'm players that stood out yeah. to me, Tierney, Martinelli and uh, Saka. Saka. Tierney gets bobbed down that left in the entire game, something that he's not done because he's been massively such a negative role as a centre-back. It's just, it was much improved from Arsenal and the signs that were there from the start, that's, if, we, if they give more trust in their use, it'll pay off when it didn't Saturday. See, and this, this is my thinking as well, especially at half-time. When uh, Lampard made those two changes, brought Callum Hudson Odoi on for uh, Timo Werner, and then Jorginho on for Kovacic, I think it was. And the the thought in my mind was, well, Jorginho's on. Like we need to hope for a penalty because otherwise he's going to be an absolute passenger in this game. I, I, Billy Gilmore sitting on the bench. Why not chuck him on? Like, what 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 is stopping? Well, he came on eventually, at, at, but not the not time, the same yeah. not in the same position, I suppose. Uh, but. Realistically, why not chuck Gilmore on? He's impressed at every opportunity he's been given in this Chelsea team. And there is no reason to say that he would be the person to that could pick out a pass and just unlock the Arsenal defence, which has been untested up to that point. Because I think there was uh, in the Chelsea FC, the Vavil group chat that I'm in, uh, for the writers, people were saying, oh, Jorginho was the right man to bring on because we wanted to dictate possession. It's all well dictating possession if you're 2-0 if you're up. But you're three 0 down, and you're one 0 down at that point, and you're wanting to dictate possession. You also did not bring on Lavie Giroud when what your your most likely avenue of goals in that second half was Hudson Odoi bombing down the wing, and it was it was cross. crossing inshallah, honestly, it, genuinely sitting watching that game. It was, it was too was, many crosses. It was far but too I, many crosses. But there's also there was room there that if you put on Giroud, at least you've got a threat there. I mean, I mean what what's the, what's, what's the other option? I think I think I don't mean to go too hard on Lampard, but I thought his in-game management was absolutely awful. I thought and it has been. It's been for a while, to be honest. You, you could see Giroud. He was when he was kind of sitting back down in the camera pan, and he looked visibly angry. And you thought he should a hundred percent be coming onto the mm. pitch right now. This bitch not putting me on. <laughs> I, I, I do think it's a bit strange as well the fact that sort of in that in the four-three-three system that Chelsea have been played, he's not really using Werner as the striker, and he's not sort of. Playing Kai Havertz where he should be, it's just it's just an almost a little bit strange I, in my opinion. I actually think not using Werner might be the key to unlocking Chelsea's team. This I, guy. I think Pulisic, Doyle, Tammy, Abraham, or Giroud should be the front three against Aston Villa today. If, if Werner starts tonight, I, I don't know what to say at this point. It's just, it's just forcing the forcing the issue at that point in time, and I ge- I'm genuinely going to be I'm a one with this man if he well both men actually Werner and Lampard if the striker does get a run out in this game because he shouldn't he's ex- he's clearly not acclimatising uh, to life in the league well Get rest him let him study what she should be doing and put actual wingers on the pitch we've got two fit wingers we've got Pulisic and Hudson-Odoi play them either side of Abraham or Giroud and it might work better but then again I'm not a football manager so what would I know about what players to play where it's almost like career mode, isn't it, on FIFA? Sort of signing the best players. They might not actually fit into the system. It's, I sort of draw comparisons to what Jurgen Klopp and uh, Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool is in the sense that even when some of the key players are missing, it's the same team. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like they play the exact same way, regardless of whether Mane will maybe be replaced by Jota or Shakiri will come in somehow or Fabinho playing at the back. You know, it's, it's very similar. But I feel with the Chelsea team at the moment, it's almost like Lampard's going to need to change his system to get the most out of the players that he's yeah. signed, which is quite confusing in my opinion. <sighs> I think I think it's easy enough to get them in, but it's almost just like he's refusing to change the system and just trying to like shoehorn them in. It's, it's square pegs and round holes sort of situation. 
Which isn't good management, to be quite, to be perfectly yeah, honest. Especially it? when they cost fifty million and seventy-two million respectively, and they've been <sighs> outperformed by Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham, the two academy players. Which I'd personally always like to see that. I mean, I'm ha- I'm happy Mason and Tammy are doing well this season, absolutely. But I would much be, I'd probably be as happy, if not a bit happier, if the new signings were uh, doing as uh, doing as they were expected to, and come and do, really improve their Chelsea team. Graham, are you? Is there something happening there? Uh, so, sorry, if you want the timestamp when we're recording it is uh, currently 30, 30 minutes past three, and then Hamza Chowdhury has been elbowed in the face by the looks of things. Oh, lo- oh lovely. No oh. video. Just, I don't know if it was an accident or not. But, oh, dear. Oh, well. Anyway, let, let's move on. I, I, I want to bring you back in here, Graham, because um, league leaders Liverpool dropped points at home to West Brom uh, on Sunday night. Uh, Sadio managed first half strike being cancelled out. By a late equaliser from Semi Ajayi. Uh, I've seen Big Sam Allardyce's record at Anfield continue. I mean, I think it's one win and four draws in his last five, I want to say. I think something like that. Or something along those lines. Uh, one win and three, one win and four, or something like that. Uh, what, what did you make of the game, just as a whole? I mean, we kind of said it at the time uh, West Brom were just going to be a team that sets in, and then Joel Matic was the one that played the pass over to Manny that just got him in behind and unlocked that defence and allowed them to get the goal. So was it much more of the same from that point on? I think what we need to do is not give big... This is not a big give Big Sam the credit game. No. I mean, Slavin Bilic did this a week and a half ago at Man City and they did the same thing today. They came out... And, West Brom came out and played a 6-4-0 and I can tell you right now, no team in world football, not even a classic 11 from FIFA versus the Forest Green Rovers... Is worthy of a six four zero. You always have to have an attacking threat. In the first half, West Brom did not try. They didn't leave anyone up top, and Liverpool didn't create that, that too many chances. But at eighty five percent possession, had all the ball, and it was the game was only going one way. In the second half, West Brom turned it around. They tried to attack, and what do you know? When they tried to attack, they caused threat because <laughs> they troubled Liverpool, and eventually they got an equaliser, which they was well deserved. They they were very good in the second half. Liverpool, on the other hand, just seems like when they recently when they played the no offense the weaker teams in the league, mm. they get complacent, and that's now six drop points against Fulham, Brighton, and West Brom in the last month, which is a worry. The league could be honestly the league could be over if they win those games, and they probably should have won those games. In fact, they should have won those games before it. But I think all three of those games, you could argue that they would maybe are lucky to get a point from. So it's kind of. Very frustrating from a Liverpool perspective. Mm. Credit to West Brom, but not Big Sam, just the players. <laughs> <laughs> just the players. Uh, can you give us an update on, I don't know if you might have seen more than more than we have, uh, what's happening with Joel Matip? Uh, just, 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 just injured all the fucking time, that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I saw an abductor problem. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know exactly what an abductor that's is. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's somebody that kidnaps a child, I'm pretty sure. Oh my god. Oh dear. <laughs> oh, clear. <dear. laughs> yeah. That guy, I have a state to leave that in its Christmas. Yeah, that's, that's fine. <laughs> but I had an, an abductor problem. This was just a muscle injury. Muscle injury, yes. Joe Matip is an unreliable centre back in terms of he's very good at football, but he's not going to play more than five games in a row before he gets put out for a month. It just emphasises the need that Liverpool need a new centre half in January. Are there any that you would be wanting to target at this moment in time, or? Uh, let's. I, I actually saw. I actually, funny enough, I actually saw that Liverpool wanted to choose a free free agent centre half. 
options they should go for is uh, former Celtic centre back Jozo Semenovic, which I think would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's my team, my team, and I probably shouldn't do it. I, I think they should go for that. Just get Semenovic in, just not, just for the laugh. If they went high, if they, if they went to pay a lot of money, try and get up on McCann, but I don't think that's possible. And not the one they've been rumoured with for months is Schalke's Ozan Kabak. But I'm not sure. Would you, you want a Schalke defender? I'm not sure you want I, anyone from Schalke. They've just appointed their the fourth issue with... manager of the season. Mm-hmm. Already. I think with uh, Upi Meccano's quality, but I'm pretty sure two years ago he had a knee injury that kept him out for just about the whole season, which based on Liverpool's current injury crisis may be a bit of a, a an issue. David Alaba will be free in the summer. But then we, again, we, we of injury prone. Him, were we not? I think he's been linked with like every team, to be honest. Mm. Just taking Bayern, just taking players from Bayern's team now. Basically, just <laughs> weaken a European rival. That's what Liverpool. What are we doing at this point? Yeah, but Liverpool, well, that would be strengthening though. Uh, if they take Alba, Bayern Munich take Upa Meccano. Liverpool are annoying me at the moment. <laughs> they smashed Wolves and Leicester, but can't beat teams that should be relatively easy to beat. And for that reason, like still in doubt, and it shouldn't be. I don't think. Yeah, no, I do agree. Uh, Struan, I just wanted to speak to you just about a certain West Brom player. Because, I mean, Liverpool may well have won this game on a number of occasions, but the one that stood out for me was Firmino's head in, I think, the 89th and 90th minute. And it was a flying hand from Sam Johnson that was able to tip it past the post. I mean, you might know a bit more about him having... He'd been at Manchester United until about 2018, I think you told me. So, I mean, did you back him to be able to put on these performances or was it just... Have you been surprised as well? In, in a way, I was surprised because he had a loan at Aston Villa, um, I think it was in the seventeen eighteen season, and he, he was okay down there in the championship, and then he went to West Brom. And I just sort of lost lost track of it at that point as well, because West Brom at the time had Ben Foster, who what, what, I think Ben Foster's been one of the more underrated goalkeepers. He's always kind of around in the Premier League, but Sam Johnson's been absolutely phenomenal this season in the Premier League in the big games. He made two absolutely fantastic saves against Man City right at the end from Gundogan and Sterling, I believe it was. That Firmino header was unbelievable. I was I was I was watching the game on Now TV and I and I saw Graham's message in the chat saying what a save and at that time I think West Brom were running through and I was like oh what's Allison done here, but it was a bit further on and then w- when the save comes and you just that unbelievable reflexes mm. to be fair, and e- even you know I'm just thinking about the other top six game the the game against Man United the Old Trafford when he was fantastic in that game as well despite the poor scoreline for him so I think I think he's been absolutely massive for the team and. Yeah, just just really showing his Premier League quality. And t- to be honest, he probably could stake a claim to be England's number one goalkeeper, or to be in the squad. Sorry, number one's a bit harsh. Good to be Lord. to be one of the three going going into the Euros, especially when you know Dean Henderson isn't really playing for Man United. Nick Pope's been he's been okay, and Jordan Pickford is is um, yeah. So there's, there's potential there. Maybe, but. If he gets relegated, though, I think <laughs> would, would England fans be confident saying, "Yeah, my my starting goalkeeper for my country plays for West Brom <laughs> and was relegated"? That's the thing. Like <laughs> West Brom keep on pulling out these massive results. Like I think out of the teams who finished in the top four last season, I think they've drawn to three of them so far. And I think drawn against us, less. drawn to Liverpool, drawn City. The three all seems like weeks ago for me, but three nil. Because it was weeks ago, Strun. It was a lifetime ago, but they have had some really good results against the top mm. half of the teams. But they're struggling at the bottom. I think they've, I think they've only had one win all season, which 
I, I, I wouldn't really fancy them to stay up, yeah. to be honest. I mean, as good as a draw away at Anfield is and at, at Man City and what have you, if you're not beating the teams around you, I think, and I think that win was Sheffield United, if I'm correct. So they've got to start beating the teams around the bottom of the league. It's all good getting these draws, but you need three points. No, absolutely. Uh, we're just going to move on quickly. Going to talk about a couple of the other results that panned out over the weekend just before we move on and kind of end the show because there's not really been much going on around, around Europe for last that's challenge, but there's one thing I want to touch on for a laugh. Uh, first though, Jamie, uh, Spurs were at their uh, Spursy best, dropping points once again with Roman Saiz's 86th minute equaliser rescuing a point for Wolves. They're in a bit of a rut and there's no fancy ramble this uh, for this batch of fixtures that they've already kicked off. Albie might be coming back for this weekend, who knows. Uh, but you, you mentioned that it's high time that you're thinking about getting rid of Harry Kane or King Minson from your team. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, I mean, what what is it about Spurs just now that just is <laughs> being... <laughs> That's good. That's good. I, I like that. <laughs> Jack's speechless. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'll, put, I'll, put, I'll put... Let's... Let's... Oh, why am I talking? No, I don't want to talk about managers. Never mind. I'm making my point. They're not, are we, we going to slag Jose Mourinho? Oh! I'm awake. I, I, I hate him, man. If you all, <laughs> look, at, look, at, look at Jose, he's so funny. My God, his football's so fucking negative, man. It's a horrible, yeah. horrible team to watch. I think him and Pep got out at this point. I want both of them to go because it's just playing the most boring and separate football around, man. Man City are just boring it's just now as well. Source and Man City aren't intentionally boring, I don't think. I just think they're like devoid of ideas. Jose Mourinho makes his team intentionally boring. They've been one up in 57 minutes. I just wish you could Oh, maybe 57 seconds. Thank you, Shroon. <laughs> and what did he 57 seconds over oh, that? And maybe a Wills team that you can break down with the taken. And they try to defend for 87 minutes. It was the same against Crystal Palace. Mm, what the yeah. fuck are you doing? <laughs> Actually, makes me so angry. I see people saying, "Oh, look at Jose! What a manager! Jose's back. Jose's <laughs> back. Jose's the Premier League. God sent to the Premier League. He need. It's not the Premier League without Jose. Get the fuck." <laughs> from from a from well, me, me, Jamie, and Jack have all had the pleasure of having him as a, as our club's manager. This is true. Twice for you guys, yep. and although you guys did have a successful time, Jose, Jose Ball is absolutely horrific to watch, and. I seen a very good tweet yesterday that was saying it, it was all well and good, you know, winning one 0 when he was with the Chelsea team in the past when he had John Terry, Carvalho, Petr Cech, you know, Cole, he had the, the some of the best defenders in the league. But this Tottenham team, the way they used to play under uh, Maurizio Pochettino, such a high intensity pressing style that changing to this Jose Mourinho just sit back at um sit back, catch him on the counter attack. Although although Kane and Son are scoring a lot of goals at the moment, they can't be happy. You know, with two of the two of the best attackers in the in the world, probably not just the Premier League, just sort of sitting defending in your own eighteen yard box. You know, Kane's Kane's winning more headers in his own box than the opposition at the moment, which is just it just can't be good for a player of his stature. And nah. it was all you know, maybe a few weeks ago he could be convincing the players, you know, what we're in, we're in a Premier League ch- title challenge here. But the way things are going, you just can't see it happening. I mean, they'll probably win the League Cup because Brentford in the semi final and Josie will be hailed Aye. as a king because he's once again brought. Um, a, a trophy to Tottenham, but at the same time, second season Mourinho just, just not a thing. I think defending in the Premier League has been getting worse gradually. Like 
one nil leads as we saw yesterday just just aren't good enough to hold on to. And it's very, 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 but, but very boring football. From a, from Spurs, from a fan's perspective, if you're winning games, it's like like the Spurs are. Oh my god, to sneeze! <laughs> if you're winning games like Spurs <laughs> are, the fans you live with it. But as soon as the results, even if you lose like two in a row yeah, or don't get points, yeah. that's it. It's like this is awful. Get him out. Like I think fans have turned on him because kind of the identity of the club's kind of falling apart at the moment. It's just kind of so depressing. It's I kind think, of I think for- though. I was just going to say it's kind of what happens with Mourinho like eventually fans do just get bored and they just think and fuck pl- this and players say that as well players get fed up when yeah. kind of, pretty falls out with him he throws his players under the bus as well which I've never been a fan of I really I really don't like it when a manager comes out and publicly criticises or blames one of their players for the result I, I, I think it depends on the character of the player some players need that to fire them up with other players you just need to kind of be nice to them but for the most part I agree with you uh, at the United sort of situation, I mean, he's, he's a much better manager than Solskjaer. No one's ever going to doubt that at the moment, certainly. Mm. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh. but, um, that's not a pre on Solskjaer. I'd like to see, like see Josie win back-to-back league titles in Norway. Anyway, um, <laughs> with a club who had never won it before. Anyway, so when, when Josie left and Solskjaer came in, the results were improving under United at first, but even when they were bad, a lot of people still backed it because... United were actually playing the football that United should be playing, etc., and actually playing attacking football. And I think, as Graham said, when you're winning, playing just shit, you don't you don't care because you win. You know, you'd happily win a league title by scoring ten goals or something. That doesn't really matter. But as soon as it that gets would bad, probably it's, it... be impossible, would it not? Yeah. To win a league title and score ten goals. Yeah, it would yeah. be impossible. Probably, unless everyone else draws constantly, you just keep getting them one 0 wins, but. But point was just basically sc- scoring the least amount of goals possible. But I forgot what my point was 30, now. <laughs> thirty-eight goals. But um, yeah, yeah, thirty-eight goals, winning every single game one 0 or something like that. As as soon as it as soon as the results aren't there, it, it goes from it just drops the the mood. Everything just drops so much because it's one thing to lose a game, and this is going to be one of the probably the worst comments I've ever said. But you'd almost rather lose a game five four than just one nil. You know, if, as long as you can see some positive signs from your team throughout the game, the defeat doesn't always. I mean, it's all, a defeat's always going to feel bad, but you can take stuff away. But when you lose a game, Jose style, you just think, or you draw a game, Jose style, you just think, well, what was the point? You know, we we parked yeah. the bus the entire game and we couldn't even do that well. Yeah, I agree, completely agree with that. Yeah, hundred percent. There we go. Well, I mean, that kind of wraps up that kind of point about Tottenham. Uh, just. <laughs> I didn't realize how much uh, it annoyed me, Jose Mourinho, until I started speaking. Until you actually started speaking. <laughs> yeah. said, said, said three F forms in about 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, actually. Yeah, that, that that was probably a fairly. the most explicit short burst we've ever had on the, on the, on the, on the roundup. That, that title lies with you, Graham. Are you, are you proud of yourself? Hell yeah, mother. Well done, Graham. <laughs> well done, not. <laughs> you should be. Uh, just, I mean, you mentioned. Uh, one thing we just kind of want to end on just before I ask the kind of final question. Uh, are Sheffield United going down? Is <laughs> <laughs> the sky blue? <laughs> I was about to say another comparison. <laughs> oh no, go on then, Shane. Nah, that's good. No, Is... let's no, do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm waiting. Is, is Jose Mourinho a bad manager <laughs> but the plays boring football? Oh. Yes! <laughs> Did they have shit in the woods? 
<laughs> We're not going any further than that because there's one that's come to mind that I'm not saying it. I'll get rude. Yeah, I was just thinking that as well. Shoot. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> Horrible boy. Don't want to bring sectarianism into this. <laughs> no, yeah, Sheffield United, man. They're just. It's a shame because I think everybody shit. last season really liked them. And, 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 and Graham used to speak quite positively of them. And it was nice to see on the, on the Ramble last season. It was just nice to see a team that none of us really had a connection to. And it's not just us, it was most fans in the Premier League seeing them do well. And there was, there was genuinely hope of a European title push. But. It just it just fell away, and it's just it's just not been the same this season. It's it's sad to be fair. No, it's sad. I love Chris Wilder, mate. Like, he's, he's such a he's such a good manager. He really is. I feel I feel a bit bad for him in the sense that after such a good season, it is gonna it's gonna fall off so badly. And I, I just you just can't see any way up this season, especially as I said that you know West Brom have won one game this season as well. Just just they're just not not good enough to be honest. Sheffield United aren't even getting. Even when they're playing well, I mean, they scored two goals against Man United and they lost 3-2. They lost in the last minute to Leicester the other week. They lost in the last second to Everton. Again, it's just every time they, they might get something, they managed to they managed to throw it away. And in all those three games they lost, they couldn't even take one point. So, yeah, I, I just it's, it's tough to see. But I guess that's what you get when you sign some pretty, pretty bad players for big money. In your opinion... In my opinion, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is the one common theme from this podcast is that everything is in our opinion. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, just, I just feel like I'm resigned to the fact that we're not going to be seeing Sheffield United in the Premier League next season, which is a shame because we really enjoyed having them last season. And I mean, John Lundstrom was our hero over on the Fancy Ramble, but it is what it is, and Sheffield United. We'll be sad to see them go. We'll be sad to see them go, but somebody, somebody has to. Three of them have to, so... Unfortunately, it's just looking like the blades. Uh, I mean, we've got last its challenge. It's really one statement that I want to just kind of throw in before we finish on. So, Lionel Messi. Ha- <laughs> the, the boy that's better than Ronaldo, Graham. <laughs> Brazilian Ronaldo. Oh, he's talking about... He's talking about Ryan Kent. <laughs> right. Uh, so, Lionel <laughs> Messi... I was Cristiano Ronaldo slander. <laughs> You should always be prepared for it, mate. You're, I'm, I'm not even going to get into this argument. I've given more praise to Cristiano Ronaldo this season than anyone else in this podcast. And extra time. You've given more praise what? to Ronaldo? Since that take, I think I've had, like two bi- I think I've had two big shouts talking about how good Ronaldo is since I, <laughs> since I, since I, since I slandered Ronaldo. <laughs> I think pretty much every single time we have the big question on Roundup, I somehow get Cristiano Ronaldo into my answer. He didn't today. No, I didn't today because I knew it would be way too much. It just didn't work Christmas dinner with him. No, could you imagine? It'd just be a couple of broccoli. Probably would eat it. Probably have like the healthiest Christmas dinner ever, yeah. Just a couple of broccoli, a green bean, and a lean chicken (laughs) breast when you're now on it. That is when I'll be protein shakes on the table. (laughs) After we eat this, we'll go on a 10k run. (laughs) (laughs) No. It's it's like your granddad's down in shorts, Ronaldo just sitting there with a bullet, just like, you asked me. He's got the wee like six pack uh, ab vibrator thing that he's got, and like just like muscle things on his legs, getting ready to the me. Get your frame photo of Cristiano Ronaldo for your Christmas present. You get that for himself. <laughs> I've already got. Anyway, one. Lionel Messi overtook. I don't, by the way. <laughs> Lionel Messi overtook uh, Pele's goal record for a single a single club. Uh, Lionel Messi scored six hundred forty four goals for Barcelona, whereas Pele, in official matches, has scored six hundred forty three. Santos today have decided that they want to contest it because they believe that goals in friendly matches should count towards the total. I think it said a goal against Ibar is statistically the same as a 
as that is scored against Valencia. A goal against Transvaal from Suriname has the same value as a goal scored at Real Madrid in the middle of the Santiago Bernabeu. Did, did Santos give bottles of Budweiser to every one of those friendly goalkeepers? I don't think so. What do we mean? Is it, uh, Santos just spewing shite. Has Pele contractually told them that they have to put that statement out? I, I think you've got to defend your, your, your quote-unquote your goat, don't you? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think... I mean, that's an Argentinian overtaking a Brazilian. That's even worse. You have to. Yeah, I don't think they're, they're happy with that. I, I think the funniest part of this is all the like, all, let's count Pele's FIFA goals and his, his tabletop football goals as well. There have been <laughs> so many funny that? memes on Twitter of people. Pele has his goal count in his Instagram bio. <laughs> yeah, no, I've seen it. <laughs> Pele, Brazilian. Hashtag number 10. Uh, three times World Cup champion. Leading goal scorer of all time, 1,283. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you seen the interview with him and Mbappe? And then he, he asks Mbappe, "How many goals have you scored in your career?" And Mbappe says, "Like a hundred or something." And that, and then Pele's like, "Oh yes, I have this much still to catch me and it's stuff like that." And it's like, "Oh my god, <laughs> he's a bitter old man living on to holding on to the past with everything he's got. Let it go. There's better players than you know, Pele. You, oh my god, <laughs> it just annoys me. Why is he trying to count these so? It makes you think that's." Make- I think it makes Pele's reputation worse. Because Pele was an English, I'd agree. I don't know much about Pele. Pele was, by all accounts, he was, in, he was a 60s male, so obviously you don't know much about him. Mm. He was an incredible, incredible player. But people are over, like, people are like, oh, Pele was crap because he scored all these goals and friendlies. See if they just counted goals that were actually goals. Pele would still be amazing. But because he, like, inflated him and all these, like, the Brazilians that inflate it, people are like, ah, he's just a friendly, <laughs> just scores six goals against friendly opponents every week. And people have a lower opinion of him. See, if you were to say to me, the, the comparison of two things, you said, oh, Pele scored 1,043, whatever goals he scored, or Pele won three World Cups. Mm-hmm. The World Cups by far Easy. are more impressive than scoring 1,000 goals, in my opinion. And I just I just think, whenever we talk, whenever anyone talks about Pele now, that it is sort of talking about the goals, but he won three World Cups. And I think whenever people compare him and Maradona, it's always the goals that are normally the the, the bargaining chip to make. Uh, Pele sound like the better player in that sense because he scored so many and Maradona never scored that many but you know yeah anyway Pele fraud uh, Santos idiots Messi well done Ronaldo that, that, Ronaldo Cristiano <laughs> Hotel Trivago <laughs> uh, that's going to wrap up uh, this the, la- the last football roundup of the year it's going to be boys next, next time you hear from us in a football roundup setting it's going to be 2021 Hopefully. Right, new, so let's have some twenty twenty predictions for net for the for the twenty twenty one predictions. Uh, league team, league winners of the Premier League. Moise Keane scores over seven goals for PSG, <sighs> surpassing targets he set for Everton. And Liverpool win the Premier League. Rangers win the Scottish Premier League. Rangers win the Europa League. Liverpool win the Champions League. Scottish Premier League. Mm-hmm. Premiership League. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Ancelotti will get Everton into the top four by the end of the season. Uh, Big Sam leads West Brom to survival at the expense of Fulham. Watford will sack their manager before 2022. <laughs> Sorry, the manager. Which one? Which one? I'll probably try Dean at that point. Schalke will not win a game until the next season. Jamie Borussia Renato Dortmund will probably sell their good youngsters and sign some more Gio youngsters Reina in is the summer. Gio going to end up at Hartlepool or something, I don't know. Scotland will beat England in Euro 2021. Yes! <laughs> Hearts will not get promoted to the Scottish Premiership. <laughs> Jamie is like 
on another planet at the moment, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, where are you? Inverness will win the Scottish Championship playoffs. Oh. Connor Cody will sign for Liverpool. Would you take that, Graham? Yeah, sure, why not? Why not? You can play in the back four now. <laughs> uh, air, will Ste- ma- air will make me oh. depressed. <laughs> Steven Gerrard will stop 10 in a row and then sign as Liverpool manager for the start of next season. Ooh. That's, that's bold. <laughs> Declan Rice bold. is basically going to sign for Chelsea in the summer. Chelsea, that's that Chelsea, Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspur will all have new managers by the start of next season. Oh. Oh. And it'll be the same three, they'll just rotate. Maybe you'll back to Chelsea. Joseph no, Arteta goes to Arsenal. <laughs> Arteta goes to Tottenham. Lampard gets. Who's left? Arsenal. No. No, oh, no, no. At that point, doesn't go anywhere that way, Stuart. Arteta to Chelsea and Lampard to Spurs. These are going to get more and more out of hand, so we should probably Kevin draw a line under it. Kevin De Bruyne gets injured and Man City missed the top four. Bruno Fernandes wins the PFA like Player one. of the Year. Oh, shut up, that's boring. I like Graham's. Whoa. <laughs> I like Graham's, that's a... Uh... That is quite interesting. Hamilton Academic Hall, stay up. Yeah, well, that is... Yeah. Uh, that's not really a prediction as much as a certainty at this point. Just firing off, Lo- off a take gun. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Livingston get European football. Football mm. fans get back in stadiums, but not at a full capacity for the entire year. Boys, boys we're over 70 minutes again. Okay. That's, that's what we spent five minutes. Five Arsenal minutes. will stay in the Premier League this season. <laughs> and on that, I think we should draw a line under it there and end for the last time this year. Thank you very much for listening to the Football Roundup for this episode and the year. It's been a fantastic year. We've worked through a pandemic. We've seen the worst of football, seen the best of football, and had a few laughs in between. Uh, we're going to be back a bit later this week with a sort of energy sport end of year special with all the troops as many oh. as we can manage. We still not actually <laughs> nailed anything down, which is probably bad for me and Sean, but we absolutely move. Uh, subscribe to the Energy Sport podcast feed wherever you get yours. I'll follow us over on Twitter at ENRG Sport to make sure you don't miss anything that comes out of Energy Sport over the next year. Thank you to Graham, thank you to Struan, thank you to Jamie for all joining me today. We will see you later in the week, but until then, I've been Jack Donnelly, this has been the Football Roundup. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time.